welcome back to the rad times first of all and like we always do i just want to say thank you to everyone out there who listened to the episode and it was great i'm really happy with the outcome of the episode i'm just extremely happy that gina is finally in sweden just doing her thing and i'm just happy that she came out from that situation at the airport in one piece and it's really important if you can do it if you like the episode, just share it on your Insta story. Just send it to a friend and press the like button on Spotify and Google Podcast. It really helps to the podcast every time that you guys basically like it. So this second episode is in English too. And you guys are about to meet Javi. So Javi is a motorcycle addict, basically. And this addiction and this passion for motorcycles almost took his life a few years ago. He now lives in Barcelona and I'm just really proud that he, he overcome the situation. And I just can't wait for you guys to listen to the story and, and see and hear everything that happened to him and what kind of mindset he, he has. Because it's, it's not an easy situation what happened to him. But I feel that like he had done a great job. And he, he had done this great job because he had really powerful and supporting people around him. Even though the episode is in English, uh, Javi is living in Barcelona. And as you're probably going to hear on, this, on the podcast, he's apologizing for the English a little bit. Because as he said on the podcast, he haven't practiced it that much. So just enjoy it. Let me know what you think. And I think the next two episodes are going to be in Spanish. I have really good content coming up. So stick around and peace out. Be safe. Has motorcycle been always part of your life? Since, uh, because, like, since you, you know, were my... a kid or, or like how? how? Yeah. Like we, we know well, that, I mean, most everyone, as soon as I'm probably going to say your name on the podcast, everyone's going to look. On you on Instagram, they're gonna figure out what happened. But basically, yeah. if we if we backtrack a little bit, if we go a little bit to your background. When did yeah, you well, start riding motorcycles? Or was your family, your dad, or how 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 everything you get my into father. that mode? Your father. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you my my father. Um, my dad was has always been a, a freaky bike guy. So. He bought my first bike when I was like three and a half, four years old. All right. And we went like riding in the garden of my house in Venezuela. That's a big house with a big garden. Right. And like riding the bike in the garden. And three days after we were to the, we, we went to the, to the racetrack. And I went and like rode the bike on the. Do on you the remember? Do you track. remember the first day that you went on bike? Yeah, I remember it. That's crazy, right? I still remember it. Yeah, I, I remember my dad. My dad had a Range Rover, and okay. I remember the Range Rover entering the house uh, with uh, with something in the back. Uh, I saw something like it didn't fit to me, and I was like running. And my father opens the door and hey, look what I got you! And I was like, oh my god! Well, I don't remember the exact reaction but I remember the moment remember though. the image of the of the truck and the bike going like the truck and the bike and then riding the the motorbike with my sister in the 
in the garden of the house. And then I have a complete blackout from my motorcycle history. Like, sorry, my motorcycle memory. Till like, I don't know, four years later. I don't know. I cannot remember anything. Were you, were you always a street biker or you went motocross and like no, no, Enduro or like... Yeah. That was a motocross, yeah. I, I, I always I I started with motocross. Uh actually I, I started with the street bikes. Uh when I am um fifteen years old. All right. Because my dad like starts lending me the his bikes, his street bikes, like the he had a two Ducatis. All right. And he started lending me the least powerful one. Um, so yeah, uh, I started with motocross. My whole, my whole life was motocross. Like from the, I was five years old and I started racing the national championship. And um, till 2017 that I broke my knee. All right. Very badly. I still have it broken. Like first of January of 2021, it like dislocated and I'm still hurting from that. Really? That was oh, an injury oh, made oh. three years, four years ago. Yeah, knee, and, knee, uh, knee injuries, they come back. They come back. I, feel, I have both of my knees are fucked up and I feel that those injuries you think they're away, you think they're gone, and they just come back and they from, appear. Nowhere, from nowhere. Yeah. All right, just make so, a, like a little false move and Exactly, black. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were riding the whole time with your dad, motocross, so motorcycle. Yeah, my dad there, took me took me to, to, to the races, uh, to the national championship that was raced in the whole country. And, um, well, that was my life. My life was school and motocross, school and motocross. And school because of my mother, because if it was for my dad and me, I wouldn't even study, <laughs> really? you know. Um, so you were and, just, you were, I guess, were you, were you really into it the whole time until the accident yeah. happened? What, sorry? Were, were you still riding as good as in motocross when the accident happened? Like, were you really no. into it or you were a little more relaxed when no. the competition kind of side of it? Uh, it's strange because I break my knee in 2017 and I, like, stopped the hard training and racing because of the injury. All right. And um, I spent a time without riding the bike at all because I knew if I ride it, it's going to dislocate every time I jump, so... What's the point? Exactly. And uh, I went, I spent like five or six months without getting on my bike. And, you know, like I said myself, that was a shitty th thing to do because, you know, I said to myself like, okay, now what I have, what I haven't party uh, since third year of high school or second year of high, of high school, High school, I'm gonna party it right now. You were so focusing in training and stuff like that. That basically, you, yeah, yeah, you were never partying or stuff like that. So when you injure yourself, you're like, basically, I'm gonna make sure that I enjoy for all the years that I didn't enjoy. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, totally. It was okay. like it was, it was that. And two two years like after I graduated, uh, high school. So okay. There were they were good times. <laughs> I can't say no, but like I left my sportive side uh, aside. Okay. And um, I spent like like I tell you five or six or seven months without getting on the motocross bike and one day i was like i cannot hold it anymore i'm gonna ride i don't know what's gonna happen with the knee the knee seems fine so i'm gonna ride and i got my bike in the truck and went to la limonera that's you know you you went to la limonera uh, Limonera is for is a is a motocross, I guess, field, a racetrack, I guess they call it. It's a racetrack back in Caracas. Yeah, the it's the like famous a, one, I guess. In Caracas yeah. is the most famous one. All right. So it's you decide like in central Caracas. Yeah, yeah. So you decide like one day you are like I'm done. Like I need to ride. Yeah. My knee seems fine. Then you put your bike in your truck, went to the racetrack. Yeah. And I started riding that day, the first uh the first moto. You know, the motocross is divided in two motos, like the first race and the second race. And if you're training, you can do one, two, three, or whatever you want, like to do, whatever amount of motos you want. So I ride the first time, like easy with the knee, not jumping that much, uh, not doing, not going that that hard, but. I start like going harder and harder and harder, and uh, at the end of the of that model, I was fully hundred percent committed, open the, gas, to, yeah, yeah, full like, throttle, full throttle, yeah, full throttle, and I was like, okay, I'm 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 fine, uh, I can ride again, and I stop the bike, like I drink, drink a Gatorade, I rest a bit, and I'm going to the second model, and I go to the track and like the third or fourth uh, lap, I jump a big jump. And uh, when I landed. when I get to the ground again, when I landed, uh, my knee was black, black. It just dislocated uh, horribly, horribly, uh, horribly but, horrible. painful. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I just like stopped and spent two more months without riding and I was like two months after like I'm gonna ride but I'm not gonna jump you know it's it is what I tell it's it's the passion you know you, you want to do it exactly no matter no matter the consequences basically no matter the consequences. yeah and no matter the condition if you have exactly. to do it with a condition you are gonna still do it you know so I started riding again without jumping that much and uh, and basically being slow all right until i managed myself to learn how to ride with my right leg just like put on the fat on the foot peg like okay there without mm, making basically, any pressure on it yeah basically without moving one of your knees when you were riding kind of thing Basically, like riding with one only leg, with one leg only. All right. It did help, and if I was going to land very hard, I actually did something with the right knee, but I knew I couldn't like put all my weight on it 
because I knew it was going to dislocate. Okay. And I started going 100% gas again, but without without racing, without, without the pressure of the, of you have the national this weekend, you have to train, you have to, to drink water, you have to, to be, to eat. You need to sleep food. well, you need to live well, you need to train, well, you need to go wait, you need to, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the racing pressure, mentally, this is what most people don't know. Mentally, the motocross is, it's, it's a sport physically, more, one of the most physically demanding sports for, for people. And mentally, it's also very stressing because, you know, you're racing against uh, other guys that are just as fast as you and in a terrain that's changing every lap. And, and then you can get very hard. injured. You can get so injured. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah you can get right. so injured. You try not to get to fall off the bike. And, and well, yeah. So you managed so, uh, to do that, you, were, you got your confidence back, you were like, okay, this is good enough for now, and then what happened? Yeah, this is good enough for now, but I'm not going to race anymore. Okay. I'm going to take this as a hobby, I'm going to continue working on selling my bikes with my, selling bikes with my uncle. Uh, I worked with my uncle in a motorbike store, I was, that it's also what I like. So I'm going to continue working, I'm going to continue the weekends, like a little party there, party there. Or and then I take my bike and go to to do motocross and just just for fun, just like unload a hobby. My mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hobby. It's uh, unload my mind. My the motocross is a it's a relieving sport for the mind exactly. because you are not thinking about anything else than that you're doing when you're on the bike. Exactly. So it's very dis distressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your therapy, basically. It's your doctor. It's yeah, your it's, it's what is what takes takes that pressure and and stress away. I guess yeah. you can say that. And um, well, after a few years in 2018, uh, Suzuki Venezuela uh, brings this 150 cc street bikes and proposes a a championship with only their brand and only those bikes uh, for uh, for kids from five years old to 20. Okay. And I had 20 and I had time, like if something opens to race street bikes or to race sport bikes, asphalt sport bikes, I'm going to try and do it. And this came up and I signed up for it. And then I did, uh, they did uh, like the pre-selection. Okay. Kind of like a tryout. Yeah. Yeah. Like the tryouts to see who was going to get picked to race this championship. And when we did those tryouts, I was the fastest one in the track. So that gave me a lot of confidence and and I wanted to do this. Right. So I officially started racing asphalt uh motorbikes. Okay. So so yeah, and we raced six times. I ended up sub champion, national sub champion. Okay. And uh when I was going down to to pick up my sub champion 
prize, like my award. Okay. That there was going to be a ceremony for all the first for, for all the champions, the sub sub champions of those of 2018 in Venezuela of all disciplines of motorcycling in Venezuela. Uh, I got up at eight eight thirty in the morning. Got on my street bike, mine, a Benelli, a hundred, um, an eleven thirty cc big bike, hundred thirty horsepower, and uh, and went to Guarenas. That's a city that's like uh, it's like 30, an hour, no, thirty minutes exactly, okay. twenty five thirty minutes from from Caracas. And when I was going down. I encountered this truck, then I lose my leg in that accident. Um, do you remember? Do you remember like what happened? Like, do you remember a little bit of like how the accident went, or kind of like yeah, your brain? Yeah, I like I remember it. Out? Yeah, I actually remember everything because I had no problem in my head. the The whole the whole accident was uh, on my knee, you know, on my left leg. So uh, I I was going down this highway uh, and um, apparently three or four minutes before I passed, they there there was like a little traffic jam. Okay. Very little and very punctual. I don't know why. And a truck brake very hard and three cars uh, hit yeah. them hit him in the. Uh, in the back, in the back. So, and the, the guy that was driving the truck um, was on the on the left lane, and they okay. cannot like go on the left lane. So this intelligent guy that must be working in NASA right now, Probably. he's very intelligent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very sarcastic. This guy that it's so intelligent uh, does nothing more than nothing better sorry than parking the truck in the middle of the highway 20 meters after and this traffic jam like went away and there was the two cars on the left lane and the truck in the middle lane and I was going there down the highway like 140 kilometers per hour I don't know or uh, uh, 90 miles per hour you were going you know, fast for the, for the people yeah. that that use uses miles <laughs> around that like 80 90 miles miles per hour and with the it, how it was I, in the morning the sun was like pointing at my face very sharp you know very bright yeah. day very sharp and i couldn't see perfectly what was in front of me so i ent enter this turn and I realized there's something in my left and I turned the head to the left and I see the cars smashed there. And when I turn my head again to the front, I see truck. that I have the truck very, very, very close. So I, I, I tried to, to avoid it, but um, I couldn't, I couldn't avoid it by like for, 30 centimeters or was very close to avoiding it yeah. and when I realized I was going to hit it uh, I 
braked very hard and like uh, blocked my rear brake and fell off the bike on purpose, you know, to like enter, hit the truck with the legs first. Okay. And I hit the truck in the right, in the right corner, the right down corner, you know. Okay. Uh, uh, and my leg ended up between the truck and the uh, and the motorcycle. Okay. So it got smashed there. It it practically uh, ripped it off practically. But uh, it didn't. It was there, like attached by some skin and and the and the jeans I was wearing. And I and I after this I bounced off to the right side and I ended up in the grass, like like lying down in my back and uh, perfectly conscious. Perfectly you, conscious. You were perfectly conscious. Perfectly conscious. Fuck. I like. I rapidly examined myself. Like I saw the leg. I saw this is very. This is no bueno, basically. No bueno. That's right. <laughs> this is no good. Yeah. At all. But then you like uh, check. You check your head. You're like, okay, I have my head. I have my arms. Yeah. Like, and then. No, no, know. yeah. I, I, I did like this. I noticed my left arm was broken because when I moved that it was like crack, crack, crack. And and I saw the leg and I was like, okay, let me see. And I touched it and it, I didn't feel nothing. And I tried to move it and it didn't move. So I acknowledged I have lost it. I was seeing there, uh, I, I was seeing it there, <laughs> but I, I knew I had lost the leg. You know, when you spend practically your whole life racing motorbikes with so much falls and accidents on the track, you know what you have exactly. when you fall down, you know, rapidly know what you have. And um, so I, I, I grabbed my phone out of my pocket and called my dad. And I remember he answered me like, oh my God, you, you got there fast. And I was like, no, that I, I didn't get it. I didn't get there. Uh, I had a terrible accident. Uh, I lost my leg and I'm right now here in this, in this site, in, in the, the Club Iscaragua corner. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. Uh, oh, I feel the pain right now. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so get, get here fast because I might die, you know, I lost my leg, but I, I, I called him like easy so you were calm cool. you were calm i was cal i was calm I, in my head i i wasn't calm but i called my dad and my dad tells me when you called me you didn't sound so stressed or in panic and and that was good because that was like that, that gave perspective uh to my dad to act how it how he acted you know exactly he didn't panic also he he was changing the my mother's car's tires in a tire place and he was like okay hurry up very fast please my son <laughs> had an accident and i have to go pick him up so hurry up he went and get my mother in the house 
told my mother, hey, Javier Andres had, had an accident and we have to go pick him. So they both were like from my house to the to this place in like 25 minutes or all right or 30 minutes it was very fast in all these uh i'm in the floor i'm in the grass they're lying there uh the the fireman people like the firemans come to the to me to rescue me to help me and they start they did a how do they call the uh, un torniquete, la que maneuver, I guess it's like, like a maneuver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to stop the bleed. Yeah, they stop the bleeding with, with a knot, with a knot, with a, with a knot. Yeah, with a knot. Yeah, yeah, with a knot. Oh. Um, and they started telling me, like, hey, give me your wallet and your phone. You cannot have that on you. And I was like, what? No. For what do you need my phone? No, no, you cannot have that thing with you when you have an accident. No, 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 no. I need to know who you are. And I was like, okay, I give you my ID. And I took out my ID and gave it to her, to him. But I was, I was not determined to give the my cell phone and my wallet to these guys because I knew they were gonna rob me. I guess that we or, we, or we should we should explain was, that yeah since Venezuela is yeah, a Venezuela. shitty place with a shitty corruption is everywhere. Basically, if you got an accident, the cops or the fire department might steal your shit. And it's yeah. the reality. They might help you and they might be good people, but your stuff magically disappear. And then nobody on like, I shit. No, and, and more on, maybe they were not going to rob me, but I just prefer to, to be aware of it. So <laughs> okay. as, these, as these awards, uh, I was going to where from for the whole motorcyclist federation. Okay. Uh, the whole people, the whole people that that race motor uh, motorbikes in Venezuela was like going there. When I had the accident, a friend of mine saw. Uh, sorry, I'm not a little distracted. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine saw me had the accident, the accident, and uh, and he stopped. And when I recognized him, I was like, hey, Jorge, it's you, okay. Here, you have my wallet, you're my phone, give it to my dad when he comes. Okay. Because the firemen's were- Trying to get it from me, like, basically. No, 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 they were like, they told me, hey, we're gonna take you to Guarena. Guarena is a city in Venezuela that's like a third world mayhem. <laughs> exactly, yeah, pretty much. That if I was, if I, if I was taken there, uh, I mostly, most probably would have, would have died. And uh, so they're telling me, hey, we're gonna take you to Guarenas. And I was like, hey, I'm not going to Guarenas. I have nothing to do there. My medic is in the clinic, in the Santa Sofia clinic in Caracas. Yeah. Uh, if you take me there, you're gonna kill me. Uh, and the fireman was like, we cannot take you to Caracas. And I was like, why not? And he was like, because it's not our jurisdiction. We cannot go up there. We can offer you this. That's right now. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, if this is what they can do, let's do it. Because if I stay there, I might die. 
might take you might so, just take the chances going to Warena. So basically, you said to yourself, yeah, I, I I took the chances, uh, and they there was no ambulance at the moment, so they grabbed me and put me on this uh, like a pickup truck. No, in the in the thing where you lie down and they carry you. Uh huh. Like a like, like a handicap bed, basically. Yeah. We'll call it. yeah. They 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 load me into this bed in the in the paramedics uh, bed. Okay. And they started tying me to the top of the fire truck. You know, <laughs> like to the top of a fire the truck. Stairs to the top to the to the roof of the no fire fucking truck. way. What? where the <laughs> where the ladders are they started tying me there like like i was some like sort of a no, like you were a surfboard like you were a surfboard <laughs> if like i was a surfboard or a or a bag of shit i don't know you know a bag of potato <laughs> a bag of potatoes yeah yes. and uh i was like holy shit this is this is gonna be if I live this is gonna be a an amazing story. Great story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was thinking that at the moment, actually. And uh I was like I turn left and I see two meters down the floor and they are tying me there and like rope, 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 and my oh. dad comes there. My dad gets there just when they're finishing tying me up. And, uh, well, they take me down because my dad magically appeared with an ambulance that was magically sent by I don't know who when he get, got there Okay. to the traffic jam I was causing. Uh, the whole traffic jam was your fault, <laughs> Yeah. basically. There was no pass at all, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no pass. And when my, my dad gets to the traffic jam, like two kilometers before, uh, he encounters this ambulance that's getting at the same time that he is getting there. And he tells my mother, grab the car and I'll get in the ambulance. Okay. So he got in the ambulance, but the traffic jam was so, so, so hard that, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was so packed that he had to like get out of the, of the ambulance and start hitting the cars. Like, Hey, Move, get out. move, 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 yeah. move. Yeah. my son's gonna die, move, 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 and he was like uh, a kilometer doing that uh, until he get there, and they untie me, get me down of the, of the fire, fire truck, truck, and get me in the, into the ambulance, and we immediately start going to the Santa Sofia clinic, and my medic was aware of what, I hap what was happening, so when I got there, I had immediate attention, so... I this everything I'm telling you I'm perfectly conscious and speaking with my dad and uh, lying down in the ambulance uh bleeding myself to death but do you, still do, do you remember do you remember pain like what was the pain level where you Yeah the pain level the, the pain level was something very strange and undescribable on undescribable yeah. yeah so sorry all right okay. Uh, and I remember I was talking to my dad like, "Hey, I I'm sleepy. I know I cannot I cannot sleep because I'm gonna die. That's the bleeding, the bleeding out shit, you know." 
So I tried to stay awake because I ha I was sleepy. I was very sleepy. No, you're bleeding out. Your your body's your running out. Your body's blood. shutting down. Your body's just like yeah. good and shutting down basically. Okay. Yeah. And I was sleepy, but I was like trying to not get asleep, very aware of everything. I actually knew from seeing the windows, like half of the window. Where were you, basically? Where were you? Yeah, where were I, sorry. And uh, I got to the clinic. The first person that opened the ambulance door was a dear friend of mine, that's Gustavo Gonzalez. Uh, and he, he gave me support, you know, like, hey, Javi, we're here. Uh, we have, we are a bunch of, of your friends here. Uh, you're gonna get well this is nothing for you and i was like oh yeah yeah thank you he and man the sorry <laughs> i have not practiced my english nah, as, okay. as i should have um so, so they basically the they were like they're waiting for you you're gonna be fine basically give you all the support and they took you out of the ambulance and then they put you what in that then you went straight to yeah, the in, OR in to the, the operation room I guess no no they placed me in the emergency room okay and they put like some hydration fluid on my veins and blood and I was there blood. I was aware yeah okay. I was lo losing a lot of blood um they didn't put me blood right there because you need transfusions and and it's another these are kind of technicalities that has to go with that yeah 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 they they just put like hydration fluid all right um and uh, i i was conscious there the doctor came spoke to me and then i started having flashbacks after this the next thing i remember is when they are trying to put the respirator, the respiratory the breathing thing. device, yeah, the respiratory, the, the tube, you know, to the intubation. They, I, I woke up there, I don't know, because I probably felt like something was going through your throat, basically. Yeah. And I got up and started kicking people and kicking nurses and taking them out of 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 my side and like don't Just touch me a lot yeah 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 i was moving a lot i i, I remember i was frenetic i was ah like rageous exactly yeah yeah yeah. so i guess and, they gave you uh, some sedate they put you something to like calm you down i guess right no 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 they tie me to the bed <laughs> <laughs> you keep getting and, tied they tie you to yeah, a, yeah. they tie you to a fire it, truck now they tie you to a bed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a tying day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so they tied me to the bed and um, <clears throat> they they intubated me. They put it the I don't still remember the name. It's like a respiratory. They stick the the, yeah. the respiratory device in me, uh, and uh, I don't remember anything more than I had a. a crazy dream that I was like on a war fighting against against someone like <laughs> malandros you know uh, malandros in Venezuela like against gangs you know yeah, <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. I remember I, I remember I had something in my leg 
and I and I was shooting people like shooting gangs, gangsters and shit. Uh, and I got in an in an air ambulance uh, to go to the hospital. And I remember well, the helicopter like lifting itself, and I with I I knew I had something in my leg and shooting down like. Uh, it was a crazy dream, and then I remember I woke up in the uh, in intensive care unit in in the UCI. An uh, intensive care unit. Yeah, um, and I remember I was waking up there very like out of myself. A little confused, you know, yeah. Yeah, confused, very confused. I I thought I was some somewhere else. I don't know. And I had my tube still when I woke up. Yeah, yeah. The, I have the tube in the in the in the in the throat. I have the pipe in the throat. So I woke up, tried to speak, and I said I couldn't speak, and I didn't know exactly where was I. I thought I was in a public hospital or some shit like that. I don't know why. Um, I the nurse like notice that I'm awake and she speaks to me like hello. I don't remember exactly what she told me like hello. Uh, you're okay. Uh, you feel good. I was like yeah. Okay, I, well, actually I wake up and I didn't see my leg. I, I was expecting that. That's one of the things uh, why this doesn't affect me psychologically. Because from the moment of the crash, you knew that. I knew, like, like you I knew, knew that, that this was a possibility. Okay. This accident occurred on the 12th of December of 2018. Uh, three days after the 15th December, that's the day of my birthday, I was turning 21 and that's the day they cut my leg because I spent five years, five years, five days in the intensive care unit. In coma. No, no, in coma. Oh, in coma. Five days in coma, asleep in coma. So I, I remember coming out of one of the operations and like looking down and seeing the two feet up. And I was, that was for a little second that I saw that and I, I thought these guys are awesome. This medic should be in the International Space Station. I don't know. <laughs> in the Hall of Fame of Doctors. In the Hall of Fame of Doctors. And then I woke up. I really woke up with, with, without my leg and I, I expected that. So I was like, well, okay. And then... Uh, my mother enters and I can't speak. Uh, I, I was very, very thirsty, very thirsty. And I want to drink water. And I was like asking for water with the pipe inside my throat and my mouth. It was impossible. Then the medic comes in. Oh, actually, no, but this is after, sorry. The medic comes in and uh, he tries to speak with me, how am I feeling, you feel good? And I was like, 
yeah, I'm nodding my head. And uh, I start like telling me, telling him the tube, like, like, go oh. <laughs> like you need to take get the, the shit, shit out, out of me. Get the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he didn't understand me. I was trying to speak, and he told me, "I don't understand you." <laughs> and I was like, oh. "You know." Until so he said, "Let me get a paper. Let me get a paper and a and a pen, and you can write what you can say to me." And I wrote, "Get this shit out of me." But in Spanish, I wrote, "Sacame el tubo, coño." <laughs> Right. Take the shit out of me. And he like saw it, although it was very hard for me to write that because five days in coma, your whole body is like in, yeah, it's, it's like, numb. Like, it's numb. Like you, you literally very numb. You're numb. Okay. So I write it like a retard. <laughs> and uh, I, he managed to understand what I what i wrote, wrote and he was like oh my god yeah 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 we're gonna take him out take the tube out and i remember they took the tube out the pipe and when i breathed because this i i wasn't breathing by myself Are you working? when i uh -huh. made the the first puff of air my lungs were like collapsed with mucus with, with phlegm yeah. And they knew that was gonna happen, but I didn't. And I was like, <laughs> and I scared myself. But then the nurse came with a long straw and took it up my nose and like uh, sucks through, the through whole nose um, through your nose. It goes through my nose. nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't remember. So I don't know. So but it's like a it's like a COVID test, but on steroids. Yeah, no, no, it was a sucking straw that went up my nose into my lungs that I actually can, can, uh, could feel, could feel the, the whole thing, the Just straw. The whole thing. Oh, yeah, oh, God. Oh. I, I felt the straw inside my lungs, like sucking all the mucus out of the lungs. And when she pulled it um, off, pulled that off, I was like, oh, oh my God, this is the best shit where you have flu. <laughs> I actually like told her, my God, this is the the best thing I have ever um, experienced. You know? <laughs> this is this is brutal. You know that much time you have a flu and you, you're like, <laughs> exactly. bring this to me. Yeah. So uh, then, like a a good friend of mine that I raced with with him motocross. I don't know how. But he got into the intensive care unit. He like saw the door open, I don't know, and he entered and because you're not supposed to enter there if, if you're not family. You're not or, close family, yeah, yeah. Immediate yeah, family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he he like uh went in there and spoke to me, Hey man, how you doing? I was like, Yeah, I'm here, you know, I'm very good uh, without a leg, but I'm good. So Okay, and I don't remember exactly what we spoke, but it was a a good a good visit. Then after two days, uh, they get me a room in the clinic, and when I get that room, people start coming in and speaking to me, and and I didn't realize the 
the magnitude of what just of happened. what of no of how viral my case was was going until my mother enters the room and she was okay okay we're gonna do this three by three three at a time for 10 minutes because there's a line outside to see you and i was like what a line yeah yeah there's a line and that was a whole month of <laughs> hospitalization like speaking to my friends every day every day there they were people coming in and out and speaking and that was one of the things or the thing that you know like pushed me to to keep going and not give up at all because i saw all the support that the people was giving me and that was something very cool to experience you know like because i mean that's what i like, said that the, the the energy the vibe that basically people give you when you are down yeah yeah it's, totally. it's just it, like it's magical you know like it's it's you can say it's a little bit like a miracle the way that the yeah seeing your friends yeah make you feel yeah. better like an instant just like this you know yeah and human companionship is so important in exactly. in 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 tough moments exactly um this was 2019 and, and it, right 19 no this was still that was 17 or 18th december of 2018 so i think i was in indonesia when that happened and yeah i, I and i started seeing your case on instagram and stuff that's how i became aware because yeah okay because of my friends in in caracas and stuff and then i mean it sucks to say but you became a little trend yeah you, you yeah, were you were uh like your case became viral in like maybe three days or something like that you know yeah yeah totally it went viral very fast and and that was something that also helped a lot because we we didn't have the money to pay the the clinic and and the medical bills you know, were piling up the medical and bills and were venezuela there's no public there's no public medicine so you need to rely mm -hmm. on private and private means out of pocket you know yeah private means very expensive treatments and shit you know so so uh that helped a lot because we we could we could cover all the medical expenses with no problem you know how long uh, how so long you were in the hospital before you a month went home? a month right. a month yeah uh, three weeks and six days something like that or five days right. um so i know and, and something that's very cool is also to when when i see this support from people i see that I feel very good with with myself because I know that all the people that I've met, I have like touched their hearts or, or I've been so good to them that they are being so good to me right now, even though I might have met you once one day drinking a beer in the motorcycle bar, you know, and, and there was my dad tells me that when like three sorry the next day 
the clinic was like 150 people in the in the in the cafeteria of the clinic just waiting uh, uh, just being waiting. aware Fuck. yeah like That's like being great. aware to know what happened and and uh the whole street was parked with motorbikes of my friends and and it was crazy the the, the amount of people i i managed to move with with this accident you know Oh, dude, that's, that's so intense. That's, that's intense. Yeah, and and how I say that that's one of the things that push me through. You know. Yeah, yeah. Shit. And, and then, then, I, then it was time to go home, right? Yeah, it was time to go home. Uh, I was happy to go home. Yeah, very happy. Um, I spent a rough two days in home. You know, because they cut my leg, but there was a lot of the sorry the the tissue that was left you know, on my leg was terribly infected. That's because that's why I spent three weeks, uh, almost a month, in the clinic because they were cleaning all the the injuries and feeding me with antibiotics exactly. to eradicate the infection to then put the metal inside my my bones okay. because I lost my leg and also broke the femur of the leg I had lost okay. because I I still have the the leg until four or three fingers up the knee you know I I, I don't have the knee okay but I have a, a long straight of femur. Exactly. Let's put it so like basically that. the muscle. The basically you have half of the muscle kind of thing. Let's we'll say that. Yeah, but like half the, of the yeah, leg. That's right. Yeah, half of the leg. Yeah, okay. half of the leg. Um, and uh, I spent when I got home. I spent uh, rough days because I was just they they put the metal inside my femur, and I went home two days after inside my femur and my elbow that, that I broke too. So I spent two days, ah, oh, you know, like hurting struggling. with the, struggling with, with the, with the pain, basically. with the pains. Yeah. And when I got home the first night or the second night that I tried to, 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 to get on my crotches and I realized that I was gonna fall. I do it with my, with my, with I do. I did that with my mom, helping me because if not, I would have fall. And you can imagine the amount of trouble. Yeah, that would have cost. And I, that's that's the the only moment like I, I cried. I I felt that I was. You basically got uh, so a breaking point. Basically, was a breaking point. Yeah, it was a breaking point. I cried a bit. I a bit. I cried. I cried uh, a lot. And uh, well, I I like realized finally my my brain like like did. Hey, you're missing a leg. Yeah, exactly. this is gonna be very hard for you. And that was the breaking point. But after that, after that cry, like. 15 minutes after, I was very, oof, 
uh, like relieved. Like I got a weight out of me. And after that, it was just incredible recuperation, very fast. And two months later, I was on my crutches, going on out to, outside of my car, going out with my friends. So I think uh, I saw a picture of you in a wedding or something like that. Yeah, so you were you was, were partying. I was like, dude, this guy lost his leg and then he's partying. And I was like, yeah, that's a yeah recovery, my, you know? Yeah, my my sister got married on second February. All right. Like, just a month after I was coming out of the clinic. Exactly. Of the hospital, and uh, that was funny because I at that time I was. A month after, I was good. I was feeling normal. I was perfectly. So we went. I dressed myself up, and we went partying to the to my sister's wedding. So, and I drank and everything. <laughs> and I we we had a hoot there. We spent a good time there. And two months after, I got another bike, an automatic bike, to go to work and to use it. Then I went back to work with a friend of mine that offered me a job and I went working with him and then I got on, on top of my motocross bike and then I, the, I I posted that video of me with the prosthetic leg like wheeling in the front of my house. <laughs> that's a that that's the video on Instagram that has like 8,000 views. That's how you became an Instagram superstar after that. Eh? <laughs> ah, superstar. No, no, superstar. Nothing. I have five five thousand followers. That's no, yeah. but it, I mean, I'm saying kidding, but but it is. I get. I mean, you went viral, so people knows about you. You know. Yeah. And then the yeah. decision, the decision of moving to Spain, it came because of this or what? The decision of moving to Spain uh, comes because of my sister that tells us, hey. Uh, I've got a spare room here. Um, I think the this would be a good change for him to get out of this of Venezuela. That's yeah, no yeah. future there. And my mother goes like, okay, and my dad goes like, okay, and I was like, no, I'm gonna go there for three months, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to Venezuela. I don't want to leave there. And I was like, I don't want to leave there. I don't want to leave there. And my father, my parents were like, you're going to leave there. Fuck you. You're going to leave there. You're not going to come back. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to come back. <laughs> you know, that was exactly. like, like that I war. It was back and forward, back and forward. Now. There was a war for six months in my house <laughs> until I came here. And, and I spent a week there. Sorry, here. And you know that whole thing went away you know i just want to stay here i saw how how life was here and how we see things were compared to venezuela and you well the most important thing you you, you can go out on the street and not be uh, afraid basically afraid that some someone's gonna rape you exactly. or kill you or i don't know Whatever, whatever shit, shit you know, happened, whatever shit happened. Yeah. Another thing, dude, I, I saw, but I mean, you were driving a automatic bike in Venezuela, but now you're like, I think I saw the other day, you're driving a Ducati and it's a manual one. Okay. Uh, 
Sí, ya, yeah, uh, actually, ahí. When I was in Venezuela, I was like starting to ride my Ducati back. And, uh, and then you realize I, I can started, do this. Yeah. I, I got it in the, in, in the Ducati, no? One, one time, this is a funny story because I was driving my automatic bike and I knew I could ride bikes with no problem. But the problem is this, that this bike is uh, a manual bike. So, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, yeah. how can I do? And I was giving turns to my head on how I could do to do this and ride that bike. And one time I started like uh, creating like a stick for my left hand stick to the, to the shift lever to move it with my hand from near the handlebar. Okay, so that's but that didn't it. work. Okay, <laughs> I was no, like, no, yes. no, 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 that didn't work. That was right. like I I grabbed a copper a copper pipe that I had on my house and started bending it to the way that it didn't uh, came in the way of the prosthetic leg and and that and turn here and turn that and I almost did it, but when I did like to <laughs> get the first gear gear the copper wire was like <laughs> oh, and he bent it okay, okay okay and i didn't have the tools to make it like with something resistant all right so one so why, why, are you, why, why are you using right now yeah i'm going to there <laughs> wait a minute one good day I wake up and I was going to go to work and I see the Ducati there. I see my left hand and I get on the bike and like um, bend myself a little bit to the left and I see that I can easily get to the, the gear shift lever with my left hand because I'm, I have very long arms. Okay. And I was like, okay, this is it. I don't care. I got into the house grabbed the bike keys and went with the Ducati and my dad and my mother didn't, didn't even notice. <laughs> so basically you were riding the bike and then switching the gears with your, basically with your arm. Yeah. With my left hand. Yeah. Basically, yeah. no, literally. Like you were driving a Chevette, como si te manejan un Chevette y que tac. Sí, sí, sí. Totalmente. Oh, shit. Okay. And then uh, I, I, I wrote it, I, I so I could write it like that. And I started writing it like that. And then I start speaking with some mechanic friends and hey bro, what are we gonna do? I wanna drive bikes again, you know, what can we do? And and the my one of my best friends that's a mechanic, he says, we can uh, in, invent a, a lever, linkage to change the gears to the right foot and the rear brake put it in your left hand and i was like yeah let's do it but it's not that easy it's very complicated to invent that okay, i managed okay. to do that and one day a friend a friend of mine like sends me a link and says hey bro what i found 
a gear, a like a gear shift cylinder, a cylinder that's made for shifting gears electronically with a button, with yeah. two buttons in the handlebar. So basically you control and, up and down with them. With yeah, them. I control up and down with my right thumb, with my left thumb, sorry. So I use my clutch and my thumb like synchronized to shift up and down. It's a it's an electromagnet. Okay. Uh, imagine imagine this has two two magnets, one on the top and one in the, the, bottom. In the bottom. A cylinder. Okay. Like a like a spray can. Imagine exactly. a spray can All with right. one magnet on the top and one magnet on the bottom. And inside the the two magnets that there's a metal thing that's attached with a with a rocker arm okay that goes up and down that goes stick to the gear shift lever and this spray can is attached to the bike chassis or engine or something that's uh that doesn't move uh -huh. That's and when you hit the buttons, one of the two magnets activates and plug and Ugh. gets the, Crazy. the gear shift in, in place. Yeah, yeah, I, I was flipping also when I was like, oh my God, I, they sell it. It's very, very cool. So I bought it. And that's I bought what it you use and, right now. Yeah, that's what I use right now. But I bought it when I was still in Venezuela. Okay, so you can, aha, uh -huh, all right. But uh, when it arrived to me in Venezuela, um, it was two weeks before I came here to Spain. Okay. So, so I didn't actually install it in any bike yet, uh, there in Venezuela. So I had it, I saw it, and I was like, well, I'm going to take it to Spain. And if I get a bike there, I'll install it. So I came here and the first thing I did was, hey, how's the, where, where do you can, where can you bike? Uh, sorry, where, where can you buy used bikes here? Like, give me the, the name of the page. <laughs> and they said, no, oh, Wallapop. It's the same thing as Mercado Libre in Venezuela. And I started looking for KTM, KTM 19, 990 Supermoto. I'm in love with that bike. All right. And I find one. And my mother and my father was here. We're here, sorry. And uh, I speak with my brother-in-law. And, hey, I'm going to see this bike. They were asking, I don't know, a lot of money, like 6,000 euros, something like that. But I was, like, in love with the bike. And I saw, and saw it, and my, my sister said, like, like hey if you really want it like you you can buy it and uh, i was like yeah yeah i help you with the money and right. shit you know so uh i went and see it and and wrote it and i came back to my house like yeah i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna buy it and my mother was like <laughs> what <laughs> No, no, you're not going to buy anything. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy it. No, no, no. And I was a war in here in my house, like two weeks without speaking to my mother because of 
of my childish thinking that I'm gonna buy a bike here. And she was like, what are you doing, motherfucker? You're not gonna buy a bike. Six thousand <laughs> bikes with two months in Spain. You're stupid or what? Until they went away and I did what I wanted. <laughs> I bought, I started looking for Ducatis and I like this model that I bought. And I, I, I found this one, spoke with the guy to go see it. The guy was actually Venezuelan. Also, right. from life casualties, and I went seeing it. I went to see it, and negotiate with the with the guy, and I bought it. Dude. And since that day, that was twenty eighth of February of twenty nineteen, I'm the happiest person alive in the world. That's a crazy. <laughs> that was a yeah. crazy story you just told me. That. Holy shit. I guess I can yeah. say con congratulations, right? Or where are you right now? Oh, and, thank you. And where, where have you been? And like, everything that happened, you're, yeah. still go you're still pushing, right? I'm still pushing, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to leave the motorbikes um, for nothing in the world, you know. That's unless crazy. I I lost another, extra, unless I lose another extremity, God knows what can happen to one, but... Uh, uh, unless bike, something bike very bad life. happens, exactly. Bike yeah. life, <laughs> totally. Dude, unless something nuts. very bad happens, I'm not gonna get off my bikes, you know. And I wanna, I work with bikes. I am a mechanic. I will. I sold bikes for two years in Venezuela, and I was good doing it. And I'm aiming here to work at the. On that, the Ducatis, on the Ducati selling, selling, selling some Ducatis, you know, that's one of my dream jobs. Fuck yeah. Fuck yes. Dude. <laughs> and that's where I am aiming. Also, I am aiming to race motorbikes here. I'm, I want to race supermoto, supermotard. Okay. That's the discipline I want to race here in, 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 in Spain. And, uh, well, let's see what COVID does and how this year comes out and maybe I race a few races uh, but I also have that plan on my head you know?